welcome to episode 39 of Don't Call Me a Guru. This podcast is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Today, we're taking a behind the scenes look at social media for the Some Good News Network. You know, SGN, launched and hosted by beloved actor John Krasinski, who you likely know as Jim from The Office. Turns out, social media management of John's Some Good News, which launched during the pandemic as a way to spread positivity and, well, some good news, was done by Alberta-based Arcade, a digital-forward creative agency. My guests today are Mitzi and Mike, co-founders of Arcade. Mitzi is a digital marketer and social media expert committed to helping brands engage with the online world. From growth hacking for an online ed tech platform, to launching a website and digital marketing strategy at a luxury lifestyle magazine, to managing a community of diehard indie rock fans, and even covering the U.S. presidential election in Washington, D.C., Mitzi has spent her entire career staying on the pulse of social media. Mike's career has intentionally revolved around consumer experience, content strategy, and e-commerce, from building agencies and launching campaigns to growing relationships and taking names. Mike and Mitzi also host The Waves Social Podcast, a show that features the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged online communities and up-and-coming brands. All right, welcome Mitzi and Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yay. (laughs) Uh, So I'm wondering, uh, let's get right into it. Can you tell listeners about Arcade and describe how you were first involved with some good news? Because something that, you know, when I talk about it with people, it's like a delightful surprise to learn that an Alberta company did all this social media work for, for this global brand. Yeah, it was a delightful surprise for us too. Um, (laughs) I guess I'll start with just a little bit about Arcade first. Uh, We call ourselves a digital agency. Uh, We used to be two separate agencies. Uh, One was focused more on uh, visual identity and design and and more of those types of service lines. And then the other company was a social media agency. And over time, our two businesses just started working more and more together because there's a natural handoff between branding and identity and like web design to then how do these brands go and reach audiences online and build community and uh, start to generate revenue? So we worked together a bunch over two to three years and then just decided because our teams got along so well and our clients were so happy that it made sense for us to uh, quit duplicating effort and, and overhead costs and just be the same team. So we uh, merged and came back to market as Arcade, the digital agency, and just continued to kind of uh, revisit our services and who we are and uh, what types of brands or, or industries we wanted to play in. And uh, I think when we when we came in as Arcade, our focus was primarily on direct-to-consumer products and more like e-commerce brands. We really wanted to do stuff online. So um, that was where we built most of our experience, especially in beauty and fashion and kind of the lifestyle space. Um, so we got really good. I think it was refreshing for us at, especially the ones of us that came from more of the design background to be able to now be in a space where we can draw a direct line to the revenue that we're generating our clients instead of just saying, Hey, like trust us, it matters to have good design. Um, so that was a nice change and we did well for our e-commerce clients and we continue to do so, but, um, kind of along the way we decided to start a podcast actually. And, uh, believe it or not, as that little thought leadership 
piece slash side project developed. Uh, that ended up being the thing that brought us the opportunity to get involved with some good news. And how that happened was um, we had a guy named uh, Mike Germano on our podcast in season one. I think, Mitzi, was he the finale of that? Yeah, I think he was the finale. Yeah, so um, we're part of an agency network called Communo. And uh, they, it's more of like a tech online platform where you, where agencies and freelancers in the creative space can share work with each other. So it allows us to be of more of a niche focus um, and really d just double down on what we're good at. And then we can bring in previously vetted partners from this network um, to support other, other service lines. So whether it's like web development or, app development or like a filmographer, you know, people like that. We don't have to be all things to all people. We can bring in experts to join our team that way. So Mike Germano was part of the leadership team at Camino. Um, he was previously the head of global or head of digital at Vice. And before that, he was actually, he, he claims at least that he started the original social media agency in, in New York called <laughs> Carrot Creative. So um, we were like, we absolutely have to have this guy on our show. Uh, had him on. It was one of the most popular episodes from that season, and we just really hit it off with him. Really got along, uh, helped each other out in a number of ways. But just so happened that he was friends with John Krasinski, and so COVID hit like right at the top of March, and everyone started to freak out. And he and John were just chatting, and they thought, "What would it be like if we just like?" created a simple kind of at-home TV show online where we could just share good news in the middle of all this craziness. So they just did it overnight. Mike produced it. John was obviously the star of the show. And then it went viral within like 24 hours. And then suddenly they're like, we need a team. So naturally Mike uh, used his Camino connections and we got to be one of the people that were shoulder tapped just with our expertise in social media. And it was just one weekend he emailed me and said that he was sending us the passwords and we just needed to take it and run with it. And they didn't really have much time to explain <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> so it was that's, awesome. That's so cool. So really it was, you know, you have this podcast for listeners. It's called the waves social podcast. If you'd like to listen uh, to the previous episodes after you're done listening to this episode, <laughs> um, yeah. but it was really just you, you asked him to be a guest on your show and then it kind of turned into this great business connection. And then the next thing you know, you're getting the social media passwords. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. it was such a crazy moment. Mitzi, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but just knowing like the we were already huge fans of John Krasinski and The Office. Yes, so it <laughs> just felt perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm so glad we didn't know he was friends with John Krasinski because I would have been so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but he he's an awesome, like a great mentor, a great like advisor for us. And we're just so glad like we went into it without any expectations but just tried to build a great relationship and we're so um you know surprised and excited that it turned into one of these uh great projects that we got to play a part in so so it's can, really fun mitzi can you talk about um okay so you got the passwords uh and then what i mean i think ideally in this uh in this industry you you would like to have more time to plan and prep and that sort of thing but were you just kind of thrown into it uh can you share um what you did for some good news and then kind of uh like peel back the curtain for for what your approach was your strategy uh what you were sort of measuring as success 
Totally. Yeah. So typically when we have a new social media client, we like to spend two to three weeks on a strategy process. But I mean, we got the passwords. I think it was like a Friday night at like 10 p.m. And I think I can, I'm trying to recall, but I feel like we just logged in. We saw like thousands and thousands of thousands of notifications on all platforms. Um, and we saw that they had like started this hashtag called the hashtag some good news. Um, and so this small team, you know, which was John um, and his uh, like two person team and Mike Germano, and they pulled in a production team to support. Um, but they like they were really leaning on social media to do the sourcing of these good news stories that they would feature. So episode one was already live, which had uh, an interview, a Zoom interview with John and Steve Carell, which was really fun. And of course, like, like I watched it as soon as it came out because I was so excited. And then we got the logins on Friday. Saturday, we got like a little sneak peek of uh, the next episode, which just happened to be um, the episode where they had the cast of Hamilton sing to this girl via Zoom. Um, and so it was a really surreal moment for us because we got it. We literally texted all of our team. We got him on a Zoom call at like, I don't know, Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. before the show was going to go live the next day. Um, we got to like give them a preview of this episode that we knew would go viral like the next day that literally everyone on the Internet was going to be talking about. And they were like, OK, what's the plan? Like, what do we do? <laughs> um, so. I mean, I think we all moved really fast. We first thing we did is like disassembled a bit of a newsroom among our team. So we had one person kind of manning Twitter, one person manning DMs, one person manning like what we're going to post on the feed. And then uh, our design team started working on like some really fun like graphics and like trying to like give this this internet like movement a brand in the feel. Um, so we all just kind of started working and we started collaborating and sharing ideas and it was it was truly like a 24 seven kind of gig because we all like in the middle of the night, something would happen or we'd see this great story or we'd see this awesome moment that happened that people shared or tagged us in. And we all would just share it on Slack or share it or text it or whatever. So um, thankfully, like we started to get a bit more direction and some um, structure for, and I guess more insight into what the next episodes were. So that allowed us to do structured like call out. So for example, we knew that like one of the episodes was going to be a graduation. So we did a call out for, you know, um, commencement speech or valedictorian speeches, and then what questions you want to ask your grad speaker. So we're able to like start doing those call outs and then literally all day long looking and combing through any suggestions that we had. So it was um, not, you know, definitely not as organized as our usual processes, but because we just like all had to move so fast. Um, but it was, it was really fun to be able to use social media and use the hashtag and those mentions as part of what we use to create the show, which was great. And was it, you know, goal wise, is it, I feel like when we're in this industry, I, I think I say this every episode of this podcast is like, oh, you know, clients always say they want to go viral and everyone sort of rolls their eyes <laughs> or, you know, yeah. like in your mind, like, okay, well, this isn't going to go viral. But in this case, it, 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 from the start was that. Um, so yeah. was the goal to just keep kind of that momentum going? You wanted you just wanted people to be talking about it. You wanted, you know, the hashtag to be mm -hmm. shared sort of through the roof. What were sort of, uh, you know, successes that you were looking for? 
Yeah, I think like there were multiple goals for sure. The biggest one from John's perspective was we just want to make people happy when the default position is like sadness or like fear, you know? So that was the biggest thing. But then quickly, because it went viral from the start, uh, I think he also saw an opportunity to make a big like charitable impact as well. So from the, from the top, he decided that any revenue that came from, you know, like views on YouTube or partnerships or even these days now selling merch, um, that would all go to charity. So in that sense, there was still goals, not just like, did it go viral or not, but to see views on YouTube and Facebook increasing week over week, um, knowing that that would make a more uh, tangible impact from a, a dollar perspective for the charitable effort side. And then, of course, knowing that social media was kind of the the channel that everything filtered through as far as like good news submissions and like helping like build awareness and just um, spread positivity. Uh, we were pretty focused as well on engagement and follower growth. So um, I think our internal goal, like we all really wanted to hit a million followers on Instagram. Uh, and then like partway through we added TikTok and we really wanted to see that take off because it was clearly a different audience than who we were reaching on Instagram and Facebook and even Twitter. Um, so the goals evolved over time, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest two things were how can we make people feel better? And then how can we uh, make a tangible difference with the dollars that were being earned through this good news movement um, for charities that needed it or people that needed it? That's awesome. Um, I just also want to point out, uh, you know, how casually like first name basis you guys are, you know, John wanted this. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's from a lot of time around his agents, and then <laughs> I think anytime you meet somebody, you want to think you're homies with them. So uh, after a couple Zoom calls with John Krasinski, you want you just want to feel like he's your buddy. Oh, we're just buddies now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. So I mean, Mitzi, you'd sort of mentioned kind of the split of work. Was this? Um, can you guys share how big Arcade is uh, in terms of staff? And then was it all hands on deck? Was everyone uh, on Arcade working on this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we, we've we grown quite a bit actually through this year. Um, at the time, I think we had, was it like six people working on this, Mike? Yeah, including us, yeah. Yeah, yeah including us. So it, was, it wasn't huge. We had six people. And yes, it was all hands on deck. Um, I have to give so much kudos to our team because they would literally like be driving, get a text message or get a Slack message and like pull their car over to whip something up or send out a tweet or whatever they had to do. So um, I think from the get go, we got great buy in from everyone and everyone, you know, we were all working weekends, we we're all working late, um, because we we not only were excited about this, but we were, we're we needed like this, the distraction, it was like right in the middle of COVID. Um, so it was a really great um, project for us for all of us to focus on. So in terms of layout of responsibilities, we had uh, Mike and myself, which were kind of like um, the direct line to John's team, the production team in terms of um, what needed to be the focus for the week, or if we needed to jump on like a strategy discussion about like what's going to be in the episode, what won't be in the episode, that kind of st stuff. So we were very much like uh, the reactive kind of like mouthpiece on behalf of our team. And then I was also, um, in the trenches on the social side too, just kind of like figuring out what we're going to post on the actual feeds and what needs to be, you know, posted or not posted because we're going to save it for the show, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we had community community managers on every single platform. So we had one for 
uh, Twitter, one for um, Instagram and one for Facebook at the time. And then we also had somebody supporting us on the TikTok side, uh, which was a new platform that we introduced kind of midway through the show. Um, and then everyone would be, of course, like coming through all the mentions, coming through the hashtag, um, responding to comments and stuff like that. And then um, because we all kind of had a focus for the week, there was like a theme attached to every episode. We had this like running spreadsheet where we would throw in any submissions that we felt like could be good fit for the show into this doc or this Excel like Google doc. Um, and then multiple times a day, I would kind of go through and be like, okay, yeah, this is good. Or this is very, very good. Or this is very, very, very good. And then we need to escalate it to the team. So um, because the John's team would, was also preparing stunts every, every week, which kind of connected to what we saw on social media, it was really important that anytime we saw this like great moment, like or a great anecdote or a great story, that we would expedite it straight to John's team because they would use that and discuss that and see like, okay, how can we make a difference in this person's life? So for example, um, someone tagged us and I think it was like a proposal that happened at a gas station. And of course that's so, you know, similar to the proposal of Jim and Pam on the show of the office. Um, and they kind of like did a little montage of it. So, so good. Uh, such a great moment. And so we shared that with John's team. John got really excited about it. And that's what kind of like started discussions about getting the whole cast together for a little office wedding or oh, office reunion. So on the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the rest is history on that front. But like if we had to really be like super reactive, see something. Um, and we all kind of learned okay, what is show worthy, what isn't. We also like thankfully our whole team is just like really um, like they were they were able to attach that lens to what they were looking at. And it kind of just like flowed naturally. Yeah, and I think it's important to shout out to like there's so much, so many people in the Some Good News team beyond just our our crew. Like we we had the luxury of really just dialing in on social media because um, we had such great partners on all the other pieces. So um, like senior productions, uh, they were a company that handled all the show planning with um, with uh, John's agent and. Uh, show planning and then also editing and putting it all together senior post was what they're called and then uh made a network are, are the people that handled all the youtube and like for us we're a social agency but like youtube is definitely not our strong suit we, we consider that more of like a long form content platform um so just having people like them who are experts on online shows was was just so amazing for us to not have to stress over learning something completely new but really just dialing in on what we were good at and then, uh, you know, there was like, we, we had this guy named Andrew Weiss out of New York, who was a social strategist that we pulled in to be a part of our team through that time. And then this guy named Lars, uh, Lars Bengston, he was over partnerships. And that partnerships really took SGN from my perspective to a different level, because it went from just being a show that people could watch online to being something that was moving with huge corporations like the AT&Ts of the world or Starbucks um, or, you know, like even doing things in major league baseball uh, that just would have felt out of reach otherwise. So we, we feel like we're super lucky outside of just being able to work on this project, but these are relationships with incredible like experts and game changers around Canada and the U S that now we, we can do other fun projects with and pull in, um, for support or even just learn from as we go. So man, all an amazing experience all the way around for sure. 
Yeah, and I think what you're touching on um, as well is a good point for uh, community managers or strategists who might be listening is that, you know, you don't have to be the expert on all the things and you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel like you have to manage all the things either. So if you can bring in support um, or have someone more focused or, or even to, to the point where you said, you know, someone was in charge of Twitter, someone was in charge of Instagram, someone was in charge of just DMs, um, like that, that can go a long way too to have that focus uh, and, and expertise. Totally. And, I, and that also came to life when we um, launched the TikTok account because uh, we pulled in another great um, contact and friend that we have, Kaylee Reed, who supported us with the TikTok side, um, just because everything was moving so fast. We knew that she was an expert in that space. She was able to jump in, um, guns blazing, and kind of helped us get the TikTok account up and running and also provide some support and leadership for John's TikTok account, which was also launching at the same time. Um, so that was really good. It just kind of goes back to your point about how like you don't have to do everything well to bring in the right people is really what makes your project overall like look the best i love that now we'll just take a quick break to hear from this episode's sponsor this episode of don't call me a guru is brought to you by cpa alberta did you know a chartered professional accountant, also known as a CPA, can handle more than just financials? Those three little letters means you're working with a professional who is trained to make a difference in an organization. CPAs can bridge all areas of an org, understand the ins and outs of your business, and bring a holistic view to problem solving. If you've never before considered hiring a CPA to take your organization to the next level, what's stopping you? Let a CPA help you bounce back from these tough economic times. And for an inside look at how Alberta CPAs are supporting their clients through the pandemic, follow CPA Alberta on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can also visit cpaalberta.ca for more information. Did you have to deal, you know, I feel like people who work in social media, part of it is that you do have to deal with negativity or pe- people who are angry or <laughs> was that the case in this project or was it, uh, was it all pretty good? <laughs> I think for the most uh, yeah. part, um, it was positive. You know, I think people just appreciated what this celebrity was doing, uh, even though he obviously had a million other things that he could be doing, you know, and he was just doing it to help people and to kind of change the the feel or or the atmosphere, you know, during a difficult time for everyone. So um, for the most part, it was positive. I think you always have your trolls, especially on Twitter. Uh, that just is where people go to, to nitpick and have a opinion. Um, or a hot take. Um, but I think mo- for the most part, it was just like, oh, there's other people doing good news, like social accounts or YouTube shows. Like, why do you think this is your original idea? Which he never thought it was his original idea and expressed that if you actually watched the show. So really, like, we didn't lose sleep over that kind of stuff. It was just, it kind of came with the territory. And there's so much positive floating around. Um, and so many great submissions coming through. Like we just had a blast kind of curating that and working with John's team to um, craft a theme or a narrative for each week and, and uh, keep, the, keep the positivity flowing. I know you guys have, um, or there has been some articles about how you've supported uh, some good news. And uh, I did see one that had mentioned part of your social media approach used a crowdsource structure to identify micro influencer esque 
talent. Uh, I'm wondering if you can just <laughs> explain that uh, a bit and, and share how, um, you know, how crowdsourcing slash micro influencers helped um, this project or, or could help, you know, for, for listeners who might, who might want to try that um, strategy. Yeah, I can, I can speak to that. So basically what we're talking about is what we call SGN Global Correspondence. So one of the coolest things about SGN as it started to ramp up and get more attention is that people would often make their own some good news um, videos or accounts or whatever reports. And we were getting them from all over the world. It was just people, you know, in their own communities reporting on the good news that that was happening in their own little neck of the woods. So we absolutely loved to see that. And, you know, as a, as a brand manager on social, like that's just a huge home run. Um, so we wanted to connect with them, partner with them, empower them to continue to, to share the good news in their own world. So um, if you watch episode eight, it's really all about people who are sharing their good news stories from wherever they are. So we identified some really great um, SGN global correspondents, which is what we coined them, but they're essentially people who are doing SGN reports on their own. Um, we identified them and we did this little like, um, we actually asked them to create some reports on SGN's behalf that we would share on social and then a lot of them did get featured in the last episode which was really awesome so uh, we continue to work with them um, we continue to pitch them good news stories they continue to pitch us good news stories um, and we're still looking for ways to kind of continue to empower them to share that so um, that to us like from a marketing agency perspective that's essentially what we do with influencers in general which I think is such a great play for social media is when you have other people kind of sharing your message. Um, so for us, the message is that, you know, good news is happening all around you, no matter how hard things get. And uh, the SGN Global Correspondents were just the best people to continue to share that message. So we love the SGN Correspondents. They're amazing. Um, they're all volunteers, which is like incredible. Um, and they're just such great champions in their own communities. So that was really, really fun for us to work with them. And it still is fun. Can you, um, can you talk about what Arcade is doing now for SGN? Uh, there's not new shows happening, but the social media is still uh, quite active. And then um, could you also share, you know, advice or recommendations for how an organization might keep their audience interested in between a campaign or in between an episode or in between a milestone, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I think, totally. I think it, it really comes down similar, similar thought process, I guess, to why we really wanted to nurture our relationships with the global correspondence was how do we make this last and remain meaningful uh, without relying completely on one star or one format, you know? So knowing that it was inevitable that the show would have to pause or end at some, some point, we wanted to kind of just structure it from the get-go in a way that could last without it. Um, so the Global Correspondence was a huge piece of that because obviously they're still available and engaged and willing to produce new content. Um, but also knowing that uh, if we just kind of trained for lack of better words the audience that was really engaged in this content to expect it um, on social as well and also reward them for engaging with it or for submitting things then uh, we could expect that they would remain engaged even after 
even in between seasons or uh, when when the first season came to an end. So that's kind of how we're approaching it now is really like, let's keep the good news coming. Let's encourage people to share it. Let's even guide them. You know, like a big part of during the, when the episodes were happening was we would give guidance each week on the social channels of like what types of or categories of content we were looking for. And then people would respond to that. So uh, we continue to do call outs around themes or ideas that we have. Um, but then also just really reward engagement for people that continue to submit things and then experiment, you know, like we TikTok was a big experiment after we had already kind of established this show and brand on other channels, but it was really interesting to see how it took off after the show ended. Like uh, I think it was in June um, or whatever month was right after the last episode in that month alone, we got 500,000 new followers on TikTok. So we had our most exponential growth after the show was done. And we continue to see an uptick in on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's fun. We're, we're keeping it going. We're posting daily on, on feed and in stories and engaging with people in the comments and in the DMs. And uh, we're also, re- we've been really doubling down on SGN merch, which was uh, something that happened towards the end of the season uh, in partnership with Starbucks, where they were matching any, uh, revenue or profits from the merch which was all crowdsourced uh, and that would go to charity and Mitzi I think this is true but can you confirm that we just hit a million dollars officially yes uh, yeah we actually just hit a million dollar our million dollar uh, goal we raised over a million dollars for charity through the SGN merch store and that is so amazing because we those are all micro donations they're smaller donations uh, but it's just a testament of SGN kind of continuing to, that movement of sharing good news, sharing positivity, and making impact for charities that deserve it. So we're super excited to see that. And I think, Linda, for your listeners, too, um, you know, obviously, maybe not everyone who's listening has access to this, like, world star talent and brand. But I think in terms of, of keeping momentum or interest in between episodes or whatever, um, I think I think we really need to think about, you know, the followers behind these accounts and what are they looking for. So if you're you're providing value to them that doesn't connect to your brand or your product, I think that's still worth engaging with. So I think oftentimes as social media marketers, we're just trying to add the marketing to every single post. But I think it's so important to do stuff that's just providing value and isn't part of the marketing plan. So that's what really gets people excited and keeps people engaged. And I think um, even though the show hasn't been in production for a while, we still have are seeing growth on all channels. We're seeing higher engagements on all channels. And that's because, you know, there's still value there. People are still getting what they originally followed us for, which is just good news stories in their feeds. I love it. Congratulations on the one million. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's a cool achievement for the whole team. And now we'll take one more break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton Presents Igniting Innovation, a new podcast series on the evolution of a tech startup scene. Here's more. We got entrepreneurs here that are dreamers. They see the world and they say, we can make it better. And all of us in the audience here, we can help them make that better world. We're now consistently generating over 100K per month. Now we want to take this platform 
and make it go truly global. This is the story of Edmonton's tech innovation sector. I'm Emily Rendell Watson, and I'm the host of the newest podcast from Taproot Edmonton Presents, Igniting Innovation. This six-episode series will explore how startups and investors are coming together to build what's next. We'll hear the stories of entrepreneurs, new and experienced tech investors, and those who are working to build the sector. I want to build closer bonds with entrepreneurs and members of the innovation community. You'll be able to check out new episodes weekly from Edmonton Startup Week through to the Startup TNT Investment Summit. Listen at presents.taprootedmonton.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, subscribe today at presents.taprootedmonton.ca. I'm wondering if you can share, um, you know, you've sort of talked about some of the successes, but if you could kind of summarize, you know, what went really well, what was really hard, um, and then sort of lessons learned in, in, you know, managing social media for SGN. Yeah, I think um, what went really well, I mean, we've already kind of touched on it, is just being able to crowdsource these great stories. I think on a personal level, a highlight for me that I'll take home was being able to connect people and give them like a once in a lifetime moment. So for example, during the graduation um, episode leading up to it, we did a call out asking people for questions that they'd have for their graduation speaker. And we got this really great question from this uh, graduating uh, grade 12 student. And he um, was studying film and he had this like really like poignant, like articulated question about the future and how to stay hopeful and, and all that. And uh, we were able to like accelerate the question, share it with John's team. John's team got really excited. Um, and then fast forward a few steps, but the show actually had him on a Zoom call with Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg got to directly answer his question. So and I remember after the episode aired, he did this like beautiful tweet about how like he didn't feel like anyone believed in him and he like, you know, stuck through school and he's like, wasn't, was doubting whether like he should pursue film or not. And he just got like this new revived, like passion for it and excitement, of course. And he just felt like he was seen, um, someone saw him during this like global pandemic. And, and so it, it, that was like really special. Those are the moments that we feel like, I'm, you know, like no matter how this all pans out, we got to make, really special moments happen for even just like a small handful of people. But, you know, beyond that's outside of those big, huge viral moments that everyone talked about. So I think that one-on-one like connection and moment was really special for, for us, or at least me on a personal level. Um, Yeah. And in terms of challenges, uh, you know, I think the challenge of um, after the show ended or after the show has kind of been on pause is just kind of directing any messages around that. And I think um, the microscope of, you know, public opinion is really, can be really challenging. Um, and people do, I find, especially right now, it's just such a, um, a sensitive time, rightfully so. Um, so it's just tricky to navigate that sometimes. And you can't keep everyone happy. Um, and we don't, we're not here to keep everyone happy, but um, we've had to navigate that delicately. And so that's, I think, been maybe some of the challenges that come with having such a, a, a big amount of attention from the media and just the general public. There's so many 
things that I, I think about when it comes to successes. I mean, every week had successes of its own and I even was kind of getting emotional when Mitzi was recapping that story of that, that young guy with the, with the question that Steve, Steven Spielberg responded to. But um, I think even speaking to challenges too, uh, a big challenge was just how quickly things changed, you know, and when you're working at that scale, um, there's always opportunities for bigger and crazier things and they're there in a moment and they can also be gone in a moment and you just have to really learn to pivot and adapt. And I think that's something that we've really taken into our relationships with other clients too. And I think just a practical encouragement that I would give to other social experts or agency leaders uh, or even people on the brand side, you know, that are listening. I think that especially in a year like 2020, but I think this is going to be our, our reality moving forward. Things are just going to be constantly changing. And I think crisis, um, at, and not to be like doomsday about it at all, but I think crisis is the new reality. Like there's just going to be more and more of this and more and more polarizing topics. So as social media experts and even just marketers in general, we have to learn how to be crisis comms for brands and to be trusted advisors and to be prepared that things are going to change overnight. And we're not always going to know the perfect answer, but uh, we have to kind of be like, look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves a question like, can I choose to show up every single day and just do the, the absolute best job that I can? And I feel so proud of our team and the rest of the crew that worked on some good news for the, the way that they showed up every day, whether it was something new and exciting or something extremely difficult. Um, but the impact is clear. And I think there's just going to be more and more opportunity for um, us as marketers to show up that way and to make a difference. And Mitzi and I always chat about, and this came from her first, but we always chat about how like for us, it isn't just about providing a service to the, the clients that we work with or generating revenue, but in the long run, we want our agency to be involved in things or projects or movements that, that change culture, you know? And I think it's important for us to have that big perspective uh, if we're gonna actually make a difference and be able to like look back on all the stuff that we did in the, at the end of the day and feel proud. Um, because I think for me, like when I'm old and just sit on a beach somewhere, like I'm not just <laughs> gonna be happy that I made somebody some money, you know? I wanna know, I wanna be able to list the things or the people whose lives were changed or, or positively impacted because of the work we did. And I think off, often marketers are looked at as, uh, as just like money machines as opposed to difference makers. So that's something that really came out of it for us and an ongoing conversation for Mitzi and I and our team. And then just something that we, uh, we constantly want to be encouraging our listeners or just our audience or our clients uh, as we keep moving forward. No, I agree. It's uh, you won't you won't really remember how much money you made people when you're uh, re retiring on that beach. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, it doesn't matter unless it's in your account anyway. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think for a lot of people working um, in social media, you know, a brand like SGN, global reach, global impact. It's inherently fun and positive. It's it. I, I think you could say that that's, that's a dream client or a dream job. Um, and you know, that might not be the case for, for all listeners and the accounts they may be managing, um, might be not be as fun, but, um, what advice or, or what things could you share or tips you could share, um, when it comes to still 
perhaps approaching uh, the, the accounts you're managing with, with that same sort of fun or, or creativity or positivity uh, into, their, into their work. Obviously, you have other clients who I assume are not as fun as SGM. <laughs> what? All of our clients are as fun. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, how, what would you advise or how do you make sure you're still – you know, approaching everything with kind of a fresher creative uh, eye. Yeah, I mean, I can yeah. go first. I'm sure, Mike, you have more it. to add too. But um, I think what I've been challenged to do, um, just kind of remembering SGN and how fast it moved and it was something I'm trying to continue to challenge myself to do is do what's hard. It's not, you know, like cre being creative and pushing the boundaries um, as a marketer, and especially those who are on the front lines, the, the brands that they manage on social media, uh, you have like the first line of defense in terms of access to what people are talking about. So I think sometimes we can get into this rhythm of like, you know, having a monthly calendar, it's really easy and like you just plot in this and plot in this and promo here and sale there. Um, but I think creativity and doing stuff that's outside the box takes way more work and it's actually really hard and difficult to do so I think every time when I feel like okay this is like really easy or like this is getting approved too easy that to me feels like it might be a sign that I'm not pushing the boundaries enough so um, mm -hmm. I think I've communicated to our team that like it is your job and like you should get used to getting shot down because we we need to be pushing we need to be the ones who are like the most creative um, of their team, they're hiring us to think of creative solutions and to 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 be on the front lines of like what's this new trend. So trends like are never like something that everyone's already doing. It has to be outside the box. So um, I think that's a challenge that I've had to myself is to continue to try to do things that are hard and do and not to just take the easy route. You got to immediately, as fast as you can, get out of a place of just uh, completing the requirements and get to a place of like providing leadership. And um, I think the best way I've ever heard it is um, you, gotta, you gotta view yourself as a practitioner and your client is coming to you as a patient and they may have an idea of what they want you to do or what, what medicine they want you to prescribe to them. But no doctor just allows a patient to come in and say, hey, this is what I want. And then they say, okay, sure, here you go. Um, they, they actually go through the process of diagnosing what the problem is and then prescribing a solution. And I think like to that end as well, you don't want to just like pick the solution or the prescription that is, is the path of least resistance, but you want to think of the strategies that are going to make the biggest difference. And so we always love it just to like kind of change the perspective from us to like our contractors or like influencers we work with as opposed to just clients. But we always love it when we are working with a subcontractor or sourcing an influencer and we give them a brief and instead of just completing the work or telling us how much it's going to cost, you know, like they, the ones that we really want to work with over and over again are the ones that come back to us with more ideas, you know, like, yeah, I can absolutely complete what you've asked me to do, but what about this? Just knowing the goal, you know, like what if we took this other approach or added this extra layer or, um, you know, like change the campaign ever so slightly to just make it more impactful. I think those are the people that we will always come back to um, because we know that they're taking a proactive approach that, and they're being innovative and they're using their creative energy to um, help us contribute a better solution. And I think, you know, whether your client is boring or exciting or, or 
it's a business to consumer product or a business to business, you know, technology solution, whatever it is. Um, I think there's always opportunity to innovate and be creative and, uh, and make it interesting, you know, and if you can make it more interesting, even for the client, the, the one, the people that have started this business in the first place, who may even already be passionate about it. If you can make that more exciting yet for them, then you're going to be, that's going to be a long-term relationship and one that only gets more exciting for you. So we had an absolute blast with some good news. We have some clients that are naturally more boring than that. But I think like when we're, when we're showing up as our best selves and being creative, like we have so much fun with them too. And uh, we're proud of the campaigns that we produce with them and the community that we've built. So it can all be really good. My last question is more, is there anything about um, your work with some good news that you, that you haven't mentioned yet that you, that you want to share with listeners or any other advice or or lessons um, that you'd like to share? Um, But other than that, I think uh, this was such a great, you know, getting the opportunity to kind of go uh, deep into something like this is uh, really exciting for me because I'm obviously a social media nerd, but probably exciting for listeners too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. you yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything else. Like, um, I think I would just want to encourage everyone out there. Like I know social media, being a social media manager is not easy right now. So um, I think, you know, lean on other people around you. I think, now is the best time to like collect some support or connect with other social media managers in your, either your city or your network or online. Um, I think, you know, the way that we've been able to build connections like digitally is also an amazing tool. Um, So like use this opportunity. This is like the one time where, you know, a small agency like ours in Calgary, Alberta got the chance to work on a global brand because we didn't need to be in person or have an office in New York or something like that. So I feel like this is a great opportunity for any social media managers who are looking to catch like a bigger fish or go for a bigger brand, like really make those connections online and be proactive about that now, I think is, is a great time to do it. Yeah. I think another thing that we like to say is, is it's an evolution, not a revolution um, that really like helps us get to where we want to go. And I think, I think sometimes it can be discouraging to hear people talking about this like lofty project or client or opportunity. And it it just seems so far off in the distance or making your boring clients more interesting, you know, but I think if you approach it with the perspective of this is an evolution, not a revolution, um, it'll, it'll, you'll have more success in in get like moving your reality to where you want it to be, whether it's in your relationships or the work that you're producing. So I would just like, Kind of for us, you know, the the map or the spot on the horizon is, you know, producing art that moves culture, like I said before. And that's something that's really abstract. So we have to kind of figure out how do we work back from there and have the things that we're doing today uh, just move us that much closer to that type of work in the future. And that really has to be an evolution. We can't, we can't just produce that today. So um, I just encourage people to think about that, you know, like, where are you trying to go? What do, what do you want your reality to be as far as the work you're producing and the people that you're working with and the audiences that you're reaching? And then as like lame as it could sound to some people, like make a work back schedule of all things and just kind of map it um, one step at a time, one achievable step at a time. And I think you're just going to feel a lot better about where you are because you know that you're constantly moving a little bit forward and that, and it just makes it feel that much more achievable. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for taking the time 
um, to talk to me today. I learned a lot. I'm sure listeners learned a lot. Uh, if, if people who are listening want to know more or learn more or dive more into social media, uh, Mike and Mitzi um, and the team at RK do host uh, Waves Social Podcast. If you're on the brand side and you've been inspired <laughs> by what has been discussed today, um, yeah, reach out to, to Mike and Mitzi and see if Arcade might be able to help you. You know, if, you know, maybe if you admit that your brand is more boring than SGN. I mean, I think... <laughs> <laughs> wow. See what they can do for you. <laughs> nice. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Don't Call Me a Guru. We are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. That was Mike and Mitzi with Arcade, and I will see you next month, or I guess you'll hear me next month <laughs> for our next episode.